You're listening to the B-Fox and B-Frank show. Could be a historic show today. I was saying before we started recording, I think this might be the most winners I have ever written down pre-show. Um, it was a wild and wacky week in college basketball, as they really will be uh, from here on out. We are in February. That means next month is March when the greatest couple weeks in sports will begin. Um, a lot of teams jockeying for position, improved their seed, and a lot of teams did this past week. Um, I know it was challenging to pick the number one winner of last week. Um, so maybe we don't have to start with the number one winner. Just I'll give you the keys. Who do you want to start with talking about uh, winners from last week? I was going to go with this team regardless. I think they deserve the credit. I'm going with Wyoming. Absolutely monster week for the Cowboys. They beat Colorado State, Boise State, and then get a road win at Fresno to cap off what is the best possible week you could have in a very strong Mountain West, especially top-heavy, I think, is the best way to say Mountain West. Uh, they've got a number of different guys that can beat you. Graham Ike is is Hunter Maldonado. Like they've got guys all, all over the floor. Jeremiah Odin um, that that can beat you, and they are, in my opinion, they they look like an NCAA tournament team. They look like a team that does, is deserving of an at large bid. I don't think metrically they are really at that place, but I think a lot of the bubble teams in these power conferences don't look that good this year and uh, a team like wyoming depending on what happens in the mountain west title game is is very well deserving of a shot in the ncaa tournament i'm sure they're around like a nine or ten seed right now in most brackets but that i'd imagine they slip up at some point they've still got a road trip to colorado state uh another game with san diego state and fresno state coming up as well i'm a little surprised they're not ranked right now um, yeah. After that week, um, Ika has been phenomenal this year. Um, was able to team was able to survive without him for for long stretches in the Colorado State game uh, due to some foul trouble. I mean, a matchup with David Roddy for long stretches of that. But uh, yeah, th- I mean, this is a this is a solid team, and at least two of those teams they beat this week will make the NCAA tournament. I think Boise and Colorado will make it. Fresno probably some work to do. Fresno also. Like they are, they're Virginia of the Mountain West. <laughs> I, I think I think they are the second slowest nationally in pace of play. Um, so, really, Wyoming well, I mean, really had to grind that one out on the road. Um, but yeah, you said it. Best possible week you could really have um, in the Mountain West this year. Nineteen and three, half game behind Boise right now um, for the Mountain West lead, but. Again, those are both teams that should make it in. They don't have a, a bad loss in conference. Um, they they only lost to Boise, who, again, is in first place. Would be an at-large team if they don't win the tournament. And I, I think Wyoming's just going to be a really tough matchup for some poor Power 6 team in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and you know, maybe at some point, 
in the net, you know, it's been six years, maybe at some point over this time, I will learn to pronounce guys' names right. But I, I am always over when I am reading my names off of uh, my notes. I can never get a guy's name right. I had our stats department check it up, aka me with Google. And uh, in terms of Ken Palm adjusted tempo, Fresno State is the third slowest. North Texas holds the second spot. Virginia, obviously, the slowest. But there's a lot to like about this Wyoming team. They play a, a fun style. They can score the ball. They've got a number of different threats that can beat you. And defensively, they're solid. So I uh, I have enjoyed watching the Cowboys and hope to see more of them throughout the rest of this season. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're getting a lot of uh, TV time. Helps when you're good. But yeah. they've, they've been all over FS1 this week. Um, I think a little bit of a, a coming out party for them because uh, they got – Manhandled by Arizona early in the season when Arizona was doing that to everybody. Yeah. Uh, tight loss to Stanford, which isn't the end of the world. And then, uh, you know, they've lost to Boise State. They've beaten Boise. Uh, so, I mean, th- those are the three losses on the year. They're they're going to be dangerous. But this is, without question, a tournament team. Uh, so, really good week. Uh, Coach Linder, only in his second year there. But it's it's been a, a pretty quick rise for the the cowboy program getting back to ncaa tournament quality yeah big time uh another team i like to there are just so many here um <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll i'll jump to kansas really quick uh, yeah. kansas had a very good week um beat iowa states who i will talk about as a loser um and then hammered baylor yeah, by 24 at home. Uh, really, really, really making a statement there. And, uh, you know, a big bounce back. The last time they really had a high profile Saturday home game, it was polar opposite. Um, Kentucky giving them the business. So good to see Kansas bounce back and uh, really make a statement of their own. Yeah, and they're back atop the Big 12 standings. Ho-hum. Who would have thunk? Yeah. Two two up in the loss column over Texas Tech and Baylor. And I believe they hold the head-to-head against both teams. So, Or they split with Texas Tech. So they hold the head-to-head over Baylor. And they have the return trip to Waco at the end of the month. Um, so they're sitting pretty at this point. Um, but yeah, this was a really good week. Get over the hump of Iowa State, who is not an easy team to play at Hilton, as we've talked about ad nauseum. They're they're very good defensively. Their offense leaves a lot to be desired. Again, I'm sure we will discuss that a little bit more. Um, but this Baylor game was a bloodbath. It was a blowout. Very good shooting night from inside the arc for the Jayhawks. Um and they got it done with a number of different guys. McCormick has has left a lot to be desired on the offensive end. He's he's good still, but I think we talked about it last week. He isn't necessarily what we thought he would be, or he hasn't gotten to that level yet. Um, but everyone else is playing well. Wilson had 15 points. Christian Brown with 18. You're going to take that anytime you can get it. Uh, a double-double, 18 and 10. And then they were getting production off the bench, which has been... I, I, to put it nicely, uh, it's been sparing and it has been uh, inconsistent 
throughout the season. So Kansas can get the bench going a little bit, get some of those guys a breather, don't have to play Agbaji and Brown and McCormick 30-plus minutes a night. They will be in good position to win the Big 12. Yeah, it's just year after year with uh, the couple exceptions, you know, the the Big 12 really beats up on each other. Um, There's a lot of chaos, and despite all of that, Kansas always finds a way to be at the top um, at this point in the season. So feels like the big East too, as well. Like everyone beats up on each other and then Villanova just somehow standing yeah. there at the top, like a three game lead. Definitely. But there's a, there's certainly a little more drama in the big East this year. Um, yeah. Good, good transition there. One of those teams that's not, hasn't surpassed Villanova, but certainly challenging them nipping at their heels this year. We come back to Marquette, who just has the uh, the head-to-head win most recently over Villanova. Nice double-digit win there. We've talked about the Golden Eagles a few times on this show um, and just how Shaka has been able to turn that program around pretty quickly. Winners of eight of nine. Uh, Justin Lewis playing outstanding basketball. And, and yeah, like if there is a team right now to to maybe – challenge Villanova atop the conference. There's Providence, of course, as the Friars keep winning close games. And then the other team right now looks like could be Marquette. Yeah, I mean, and they were just a bounce away from beating Providence, really. They had yeah really good look at the end of that game and maybe some some dumb luck on, on the ball. But at the same time, like in that game, credit to Providence because it's no – at this point in the season, you're not winning close games by luck. It's because you have – the team and the veterans that are able to do it. Um, but back to the uh, Marquette, excuse me, stylistically, they just work. Like it, it just works what shock is doing. And I, I don't, it's, it's hard to simplify the game of basketball like that, but that's where we're at. And Justin Lewis, I was reading in the athletic today, uh, anonymous coaches talking about different teams from their league. And the quote on Marquette was, that Justin Lewis plays like a guy who knows he's the best player on the floor and his teammates act like they know, or his teammates do the same thing. So they're getting him the ball in areas that he wants it. He's going to work, he's making plays, and that is raising the play of his teammates. When you get 18 points from a guy like Kolick, that's a huge night. When you get, you know, Daryl Morcel continuing to chip in 13, 14, 15 points a game, you are in a really good place uh, at, as a Marquette team overall, because Justin Lewis is going to go for at least 18. He he has been that good throughout Big East play. Um, so continuing to see this team take care of the basketball, most importantly, I think they struggle with turnovers. That's, that's one of their big issues. But buying in defensively and getting the job done there is where we're seeing Marquette really thrive. And confidence is contagious. It's uh, one of those things you certainly see within the course of individual games, um, just in terms of team runs. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Marquette is, is playing with a lot of confidence right now, and, you know, self-awareness is is key. A lot of times, most times out, um, Lewis is the best player on the, the floor. Um, so being able to play with that confidence and have that rub off on your teammates is why, you know, Marquette is exceeding a lot of expectations this season. And, I have seen some very, very bullish uh, projections recently in terms of Marquette in bracketology. Um, mm-hmm. I maybe a little more optimistic than uh, 
than I would say, but uh, I mean, they're they're as hot as anyone in the the conference right now, uh, playing playing really well. They are, they are, and they uh, have picked up big wins. I mean, in this run that they're on, I think six of those games were wins over ranked teams, so they are beating the hefty part of their schedule. And the bottom is not good in the Big East. They can give you fits, but it it's not the best. Um, so they've got a couple big games coming up still. You know, they're at UConn this week. Butler is going to be a, a feisty game on the road as well, but then they've still got Georgetown, another Butler game, and then DePaul and St. John's. Who knows what you're going to get out of DePaul and St. John's to close the year, but the schedule looks very favorable for Marquette down the stretch. Yeah, um, and I mean, there's there's still a chance, too, that uh, at some point, the law of averages will bear out in, in Providence game or two. Um, mm-hmm. Marquette will be there. Um, all right. So, so many to go through, honestly. I just keep remembering more teams. Uh, I have to give some some shine to Illinois. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kofi Coburn with one of the better individual performances you'll see in the win against Wisconsin, um, just overpowering that roster. No one on Wisconsin can match up with Kofi Coburn. Uh, so the lack of double teams at times was a bit surprising to uh, this neutral party. And then Saturday, following that up with the largest margin of victory uh, for Illinois ever at Assembly Hall, um, beat Indiana going away um, by 17 after trailing at halftime. So Illinois, another one of those teams seems to be putting it together at the right time and playing as well as, as anyone in their conference. Um, so that's uh, definitely a dangerous team going forward. Um, now that everybody's back and they've got a, a full roster. Yeah. Their, their inside out ability is what I love the most. Um, they just have so many guys that can hit it from deep and then, Keeping Kofi out of foul trouble is the key, obviously, because when you can give him the ball down low, let him go to work, really get the defense to collapse, you're going to get open looks for guys like Plummer, for guys like Frazier, for Williams, any any of those guys out there, and they are all very good shooters. Uh, so Illinois is going to be a nightmare to play, I think, so long as they stay healthy. And and we've seen you know injuries upon injuries upon issues for this team, but assuming they stay healthy, they're going to be in very good shape to close out this year and then head into March. Curbelo has been pretty chaotic uh, to put it nicely this season, but uh, it hasn't really matched uh, what the hype has been, but Alfonso Plummer, Trent Frazier have been outstanding. Um, And then anything you're getting from, the complimentary pieces like Grandison, yeah, uh, you know, anything from from Hawkins, that's that's just gravy for Coach Underwood. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there are still the, the same knocks that you can bring up about Kofi Coburn are still there. Um, you know, there yeah. are opportunities to take advantage if you run a solid system and the ability to get him away from the basket as a team like Loyola was able to do last year, but. In terms of physicality, he 
if if you put a a smaller defender on him, he is going to win that matchup 100 out of 100 yep. times. Uh, just the number of times I had to watch Wisconsin try to go one on one with Stephen Crawl or anybody else, like how can you possibly just look at that and think that's a good idea? Um, and Coburn did exactly what you would expect him to do, just pure domination. Um, I mean, same thing against Trace Jackson Davis, too. And honestly, like, Trace might have to stay for another year if he just keeps getting bodied by Coburn and Hunter Dickinson. It's like Zach Eady. E.J. Liddell is really the only good big man uh, that he really dominated that individual matchup. But mm-hmm. um, same thing, you know. He's undersized, 6'9". Um, Coburn is able to take advantage of that. Coburn really struggled once a, a fellow seven-footer was out there, um, but Michael Durr ran out of fouls to give, and then the game, <laughs> the game was kind of uh, over at that point. But uh, as long as it's Kofi on a uh, smaller guy who doesn't have overwhelming speed, he's going to just dominate that matchup. And it's been working yeah. out well for Illinois. Yeah, it was uh, a sensational performance, and especially one where <laughs> Illinois fans wanted, kind of almost needed it because of the steam, uh, losing steam in the Kofi for Player of the Year conversation. He he really hadn't had one of those games yet, and that is certainly one that they can point to and say, look, he can go off and take control of a game, even as a big man. Yeah, especially going up, um, you know, Obviously not the one-on-one matchup, but going off in a game that involves a guy who yeah. a lot of people have been champion, champion, in uh, for that um, in Johnny Davis, right? Really, really helps as well. Um, but yeah, in case you forgot, Kofi's still good. Confirmed. Who else do you have as a winner on your list? I am going to go with Arizona. They got the two best wins you can get in the Pac-12 last week, UCLA in the revenge game, and USC just a couple days later. Defense looks very good. They rebound the ball at such an impressive level. Uh, they share it well. Like this is, this is a very fun team to watch, and Tommy Lloyd's got a really good thing going here. Um, it started off slow against USC, but I think they – Throughout these games, they have continued to dictate tempo, and that is the most important thing for Arizona. They can play up or down, but they prefer to play up-tempo and and really move the ball, and I think that's where we've seen them at their best. And it was a balanced attack in this win against USC. You know, Leading score was Tabellus with 18. Everyone else was right around that 7, 8, 9, 10 mark in points. So they, they have a number of different guys that can beat you, slash to the lane, not a great three-point shooting team, but they have Carissa who can shoot it. Except against uh, UCLA. Yes. Um, he, he had a better game, but still not a, a great game uh, from an efficiency point of view. Um, just the, the bar was sub-basement um, yes. after the first game. But I I think this defense has almost gone under the radar a little bit just because of how fast they like to play. Yeah, um, it's still one of the better defenses nationally. These are two solid offensive teams, UCLA, USC, Arizona was able to to shut both of them down, hold both of them to under 40% shooting under 25% from beyond the arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know Coloco is a great 
individual defender. And I think he's gotten most of the attention on that side of the ball, had a great performance early in the season, the road win um, over Illinois, the way he was able to limit Coburn. Um, but I mean, Arizona's a national title contender because they can score, they can shut you down. Uh, yeah. They do. They do everything well. Um, and, and Tommy Lloyd is rightfully one of the uh, leading candidates for national coach of the year at this point in the season. 100%. It uh, should, should, would be well-earned if he wins. Absolutely. Um, another team and team that is exceeding expectations. The coach is a coach of the year contender as well. Texas tech, Mark Adams, great week for the red Raiders. One of the most insane atmospheres you will ever see for the mm-hmm. Chris beard homecoming. If you will, um, it was a homecoming when he went to Texas, but the, yeah. the return to Texas tech, uh, it was, uh, it was a little odd. I, I think there were the coverage of it, I think was a little odd. Uh, yeah. Like you can understand the vitriol and you know, the, the passion that Texas tech fans have. Um, but some of the coverage of it, especially from like Goodman, was yeah. almost like, are you kind of rooting for a malice at the palace type incident here? Um, but fortunately nothing, nothing really happened. And on the court, Texas Tech dominated this game um, from the jump and has a very, very good team as it is. Um, a lot of conversation now um, that I've seen, at least narratives, like, you know, Big 12's got a lot of solid teams. Kansas, we know what they can do. Baylor, most nights, very good. But Texas Tech could sneaky be um, the team best suited to make a run in March out of the conference. Uh, they are very, very fundamentally sound elite defensively and generally don't beat themselves. And that's, that's at the end of the day, that's all you can ask for. And that's why they've been beating basically everyone in this conference. Yeah. And I'd take it. I'd take uh, another point there too, of Terrence Shannon has really not played that much this season. And he is probably their best player, if not their most talented player. Um, a guy that flirted with the NBA in the offseason and, and really just hasn't been able to get back on the court. They are still winning games and and looking good doing so without him. Um, they're, they're getting the pieces to mesh, something that Chris Beard had a tough time doing last season, and we saw that. Uh, the, the animosity, I guess I get leaving Texas Tech for a an in-conference rival at Texas and, you know, the big school and all that. But it's not like he left the covered bear. He put Tech on the map, really, in terms of basketball um, and left them with this pretty solid roster, no less. I mean, I won't discount the work that Mark Adams has done because there's plenty uh, that he has done. So I don't. I I guess the whole point is I don't necessarily get all the animosity, but then again, my coach didn't leave for seemingly an in-conference rival. Yeah, he he didn't screw over um, Texas Tech from a like. It I'm wasn't leaving. Lane I, Kippen. 
I'm leaving. I'm also taking all of our good players. Yeah. Um, sort of thing. Like Adams did make uh, some nice additions in the off season. Uh, you know, like a Kevin O'Banner, but also just Texas tech promoting Mark Adams. It's just great job of ensuring continuity. Um, yeah. You know, this, this is the guy that has built some of our, some of the best defenses in college basketball. The same is true this year. Um, and, you know, it's it's been a a fun team to watch. Um, defense when it's played well be fun to watch, um, and they have just been strangling teams um, all season. Um, you know, really one head scratching loss to Kansas State when they were, uh, you know, kind of at the end of a pretty intense stretch of a lot of games and quick succession. Uh, but other than that, you know, even their losses, like the double overtime loss at Kansas, they've still looked great. They've still come out of it feeling good. And um, if anything, that their stock seemed to have just risen even more after that game. Um, so it's been a, it's been a fun season in Lubbock. That's for sure. Yeah. And they, I mean, there's still plenty, plenty to go here and a lot, like you said, I think they, if I were to put money on a team right now to make the deepest run in the NCAA tournament from the Big 12, I think it's got to be Texas Tech or Kansas. I don't, you know, LJ Cryer's injury and just injuries in general for Baylor have me curious of what they're going to look like. But Kansas and Kansas has the star power, obviously, and Texas Tech is just so damn solid. So... I think I would have to go with one of those two teams. Yeah, Kansas is going to get more attention, but I, I think Texas Tech, great value pick. Yeah. For sure. We are slowly but surely cutting down the number of, of names on my list. I've I've still got three more. Do you do you have uh well three and a half? Maybe I've, maybe we'll call it four, but I have two anyone more. Left? Okay. We'll see if we overlap here. Uh I'm going with Murray State into the ranks 22 and two overall 12 and 0 in conference play they have they are on a 12 game winning streak because they lost auburn just before uh the end of non-conference play really if you take away the loss to east tennessee they are looking very good they have a win over memphis on the road say say about that what you will um and then have played very well in a very strong ohio valley conference um with Moorhead State, Belmont up at the top there. Teams that are looking for a bid to the NCAA tournament, I think Murray State is in a good position to get into the NCAA tournament, even as an at-large team. Absolutely. Murray State was on my list as well. I think it's pretty overdue at this point that they were to uh, crack the top 25. So good that they finally did that. Um, and also, just parenthetically, the Missouri Valley has got to be a, a big winner, too. Like, yeah. Just looking towards the future, somehow might lose Loyola and still improve as a conference, um, which totally. is pretty remarkable. And you look at who they have uh, slotted to, to join in the near future with not only Murray State, but Belmont, who is consistently... Uh, a high level basketball program. Uh, mm -hmm. So certainly looking at how 
both the the racers and the Bruins are doing this season and got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. No doubt about it. I mean, when it comes to realignment, it is very much feast or famine for these mid-major leagues. And you kind of got to cast a wide net and hope to God you can catch some big ones. And the Missouri Valley did absolutely that. Yeah. Did they, uh, did they officially announce I don't think they did, but uh, USI obviously transitioning to Division One. They haven't said anything about conference yet, right? No, that they, announcement is coming shortly, so I'd okay. imagine in the next month or so. I know, um, yeah, I, I know. In the release, they'd said they'd been contacted by a couple. Um, yeah, I think uh, potential maybe Ohio Valley was one of those, um, but. Certainly yeah. looks possible, especially with the uh, openings. Um, I think UIC is the last team the Missouri Valley's adding, so they're getting three. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's more of a keeping a foothold in the Chicago market, but yeah, not as much a a needle moving program um, in the way that uh, Murray State and Belmont would be. But we we like the Flames, we like Luke Yaklich, so hopefully he'll be able to turn that program around. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, in a similar vein, uh, St. Mary's. Yep, getting into the the top twenty-five. They, we heard from them at the beginning of the season with the the good run at, at Fake Maui. Um, they have been playing well in the West Coast Conference, which still looks like it could be positioning itself to be a a four bid league, much like the Mountain West, um, but. Seven wins in a row for the Gales, and it's all leading up to Saturday. Massive matchup with Gonzaga. That would be, if they're not already in, that would pretty much clinch a bit if they're able to somehow pull off that upset. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, you got to look ahead to the rematch in Moraga on the 26th, end of the West Coast Conference season. Get a chance to really build the momentum. You've got revenge game couple days or a week before that against BYU still got another opportunity against a good San Francisco team even without the Gonzaga win I think they can secure their bid uh, by taking those games against San Francisco and BYU Um, but certainly have a chance in that one Gonzaga playing as well as they have all season long St. Mary's stylistically is definitely much different no surprise there that's what we've seen in the past but they uh, have the ability to win this game for sure and also, it, it just helps that uh, the West Coast Conference is as good as it is this year. So, like, yeah. um, your season isn't make or break based on what happens against Gonzaga. There are yeah. other quality wins to be had. Um, so that's that's massive uh, for the conference as well. Um, and I, I did want to give Gonzaga a quick shout out. I think we've been pretty good this year about not talking our listeners ears off about uh, Gonzaga, but I agree. Um, so credit to us there, but Gonzaga is still very, very, very good. Yeah. Just hammered BYU on the road by 33. And I think we are, uh, we are witnessing Chet, uh, you know, find himself at the college level and reach his final form. Uh, you know, we've seen flashes all season, but I think, the last couple of games, certainly this one, 20 points, 17 rebounds, six assists. Uh, he, he's just 
got such a unique skill set, um, really seems to be coming into his own. And I think that should terrify the rest of the nation. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, when they're beating a team like in, uh, BYU on the road by 33, it's time to start worrying that Gonzaga has found their rhythm and found their groove. When Chet is going for 20 and 17, you need to worry because there's also a guy there named Drew Timmy who who was a preseason favorite for National Player of the Year. That's obviously cooled off a bit, but their entire starting five went for double digits. Uh, they had the opportunity, really. Nemhard was looking near a double-double with six steals. Um, they, they've got a starting five that can do a little bit of everything. They shoot the three decently well. They don't turn it over a ton. Um, really, the only guy that does is Timmy, and that's because of his style of play going from the uh, elbow in. But they are a terrifying team to see, especially when you notice the games they've won, the games they've played this year, uh, how well they've looked, and just the, the roster makeup that they have. They are very balanced. Yeah, Anton Watson, very strong interior defender as well. Hasn't been getting a ton of minutes, but been very efficient when he's been on the court. And yeah, like if we're we're talking about like kind of forgetting about a guy like Drew Timmy, I know his numbers aren't quite as good as last year. There's a slight step back because again, he's had to share a front court with a guy as talented as Chet Holmgren. That's that's to be expected a little bit. Uh, but if we're forgetting about Drew Timmy, we as a, a collective college basketball nation, that yeah. just speaks to how good Gonzaga is. Um, I, there were certainly some questions about, you know, getting Chet is good. Um, you know, some of the guys were bringing in, uh, you know, getting a guy like uh, Hunter Salas is, is good as well. But yeah, you Even know, he's our, almost forgotten too. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, a good thing because it just speaks to how good Andrew Nemhard has been, how good Razier Bolton has been, how good yeah. just perimeter play has been for them this year. Um, so Mark Fuse got the squad cooking and uh, Gonzaga is again, primed to make another deep tournament run. Again, the, uh, the longest active streak of sweet 16 appearances in college basketball People legitimately forget that. I, I feel obligated to remind everyone every year because the there's just, quaking. I mean, the, the narrative is just <laughs> remarkably factually incorrect, but people Remember, are they don't play anyone despite the fact that no. <laughs> five of the 10 teams in the WCC are in the top 70 of the net. Yeah. I'd, they uh, don't play anyone though. People's feelings don't care about your facts. That's, <laughs> that's where we find ourselves now. I've got one more. Um, and it is a team that we have uh, not really said much, many nice things about. Uh, we've said a lot of mean things, um, but it's, it's the Arkansas Razorbacks. Wow. The must bus went to the shop, went to the mechanic, made some necessary changes alterations they are i mean they're they're basically right there with wyoming uh trying to crack back into the top 25 mm -hmm. 
one of the hottest teams in the SEC. That's eight wins in a row. Um, and now tonight, as you're listening to this, they've got a massive matchup against Auburn, which will be a great measuring stick in terms of how improved this Arkansas team really is. Um, Auburn also kind of not playing great right now, playing down yeah. to their competition. So that could play in Arkansas's favor as well, or Auburn will get up because they're playing against the the hottest team in the SEC, not named Kentucky. But we'll see what happens. But night and day between some of the things we were seeing from, from Arkansas early in the year um, when they were not beating anyone good and, and losing to basically every quality team they played. Uh, Jalen Williams recently has been outstanding. Yeah. Scored in double figures and grabbed at least eight rebounds in each of the last nine games. Um, so that kind of consistent production on the inside has been massive. Um, getting great things out of uh, Note on the perimeter. So the must bus should still be NCAA tournament bound. And uh, they are playing good basketball at just the right time of year. They were in big trouble. And I don't think people necessarily remember that, but they were, I mean, they were oh, dead in the water. Um, they had, what, five five of six losses. Their only win was against Elon. They lost to Vanderbilt, A&M, Mississippi State, Hofstra in that stretch. Uh, and they they really had nothing going for them you can look at their wins now and say well okay missouri's missouri georgia stinks ole miss is ole miss a&m's a decent win south carolina's fine they won at lsu which certainly has lost its luster over the last couple weeks but is still a good win and they beat west virginia i'm taking this as a positive much like you are i think they've righted the ship defensively they look much better offensively they're in a better rhythm and i know it's hard to get in a rhythm when you play that high tempo style of basketball but they are finding and hitting open shots again and i don't know what the move to get chris likes on the bench really did for this team but it seemingly sparked him and sparked the rest of the team yeah so it's the motivation of sorts um i'm I'm going to push back a little bit on the the schedule part because uh, this is this is bordering a little bit on transitive property. But hear me out. Okay. Um, they are they're at least kicking the shit out of these bad teams that they're playing. Like look yeah. at what look at what Auburn's doing against Missouri and Georgia. True. Look at what Arkansas is doing. Arkansas beat Missouri by 44. They beat Georgia by 26. That's what you're supposed to do to bad teams. Leave no doubts, and that's. A lot of people's big gripes with uh, Providence. Sorry to bring that up again. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, a, a way you can finally kind of poke holes with Auburn is, you know, some of these bad teams are letting hang around. They're barely getting out alive. Arkansas right. is erasing any doubts, um, which really will help them um, in the nuts and things of that nature. But yeah. Um, do you have any other winners? Because if not, I have a segue. I don't. Okay. So as we get to losers, Arkansas has basically had the same season as LSU, but in reverse. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Like they they are they are ships passing in the night at this point. Yeah. LSU started off 
red hot, very obvious flaws within their team. And now the bottom is falling out, um, kind of like Arkansas at the start of the season. LSU last week was swept by Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, which, yeah, tough scenes. Yikes. Tough scenes all around. Um, so, but like, LSU and Arkansas are basically at the same place, but the narrative around each team could not be more different. And that's personally, I find that fascinating, but LSU has lost all momentum and is going down a pretty dark path right now. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the season. They're great defensively, or at least they were, they'll stop you, but can they score? Maybe (laughs) doubtfully. They they have Terry Eason, and, and that's kind of it offensively. Last three games, their three losses, they've given up 77, 76, and 75 points. That's not getting it done. They need to hold teams under 70, and when they do that, they are in a much better position to win ball games. That is just the fact of the, the matter because they do not score. They do not shoot the ball at a high percentage. Uh, if Will Wade can can figure out how to make a strong-ass offer and get his offense going again, maybe it'll work. But it, up until this point, they really are not seeing uh, the ball go through the net, and they need a lot of help on that side of the ball, especially when the defense is lagging behind, which it has been uh, recently. And that's the thing. With their offense, they pretty much need to hold teams under 60 uh, yeah. to, to have a great chance in a lot of these games. But that is... Just not happening, and it's it's not even that like LSU's start to the season was fluky um, that you could potentially say about a team like Iowa State as they're mm-hmm. coming back down to earth. Um, you know, LSU has talent, obviously. Keep saying missing Adam Miller that would certainly be an offensive spark, but even without yeah. him, there's there's enough on this roster that you know coming into the season. Some people identified them as the sleepers. Like, this is definitely a tournament team. Um, But in execution, the offense has been ugly. The defense has kept them relevant, has gotten them ranked, has gotten them to this point. Um, One of the best starts in the country. But it's, it's just not going to be that elite every single night where you can consistently no show offensively. Yeah, especially in a league as tough as the SEC. Exactly. And and really, when you look at their non-conference, they were playing good basketball. They were scoring. Competition wasn't great, though. Like, yes, they have wins over Belmont and Wake Forest, and that carries for sure. But you look at some of their biggest production, you're looking at Texas State, Louisiana Monroe, Lipscomb, Northwestern State, you know, true powerhouses, Blue Bloods, if you will. All of them. All fine programs. They are. A lot lot of good people at those schools. I would never talk bad about any of them. Northwestern State has a historic NCAA tournament win that I can still think of to this day. Um, But yeah, like these are unfortunately not the teams that are going to move the needle for you. And they're the only ones that your offense has really performed against. I mean, you can throw Tennessee in there because they almost scored 80 on them. But Tennessee is also everyone's best win at this point. Uh, in the middle of the SEC. So there's opportunity at A&M, home for Mississippi State and Georgia, and then at South Carolina. I think you got to go 4-0 and there to get back on track if you're LSU. 3-1 and hurts, depending on who you lose to. It's not the end of the world, but 4-0 and really rights the wrongs. 
Yeah, that three-game winning streak basically a month ago is the last time they were, you know, playing good basketball. Um, and the the yeah. defense was really clicking. Um, yeah. And I mean, Will Wade is thinking his lucky stars that Texas A&M exists because that's basically the only win that LSU has gotten in a month. And as an aside, A&M has also just cratered and completely fallen off a cliff. Um, yeah. That was like... We've pretty much been right about all of these teams, but every time we've called out a team with a good record, it's like, hey, they haven't played anyone this year. As soon as they do, they have started a crater, and that's exactly what's happened with Buzz Williams at uh, at A&M. Um, mm-hmm. Probably wishing he was back at Virginia Tech or Marquette right now. Um, but LSU struggle like they've they've done enough to this point that. They're they're going to be a tournament team. It yeah. just looks like it could be a, a pretty short stay at this point. Yeah, you're if you are a team in like the eight, seven, eight, nine, ten range, you are praying to God you get LSU at this point with the way they're playing because it feels like a free trip to the next round. Why Wyoming beats LSU by fifteen in the first round? Yeah, no question. Um, but similar vein, Iowa State like. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, I I would I would put LSU favored probably by double digits over Iowa State on a neutral court. Um, Iowa State, to me, this is more they are who we thought they were. Um, yeah. Losing to Kansas, Kansas is, is good. I can understand, but then there there's just too many performances now uh like what they did against Texas score 41 points shoot 13% from 3 uh, mm-hmm. that's that is them more often than not and that is big time reason for panic all of this is Iowa State playing with house money because we thought they would be about the same or maybe worse than a two win team um, so yes, credit, credits them for like, you know, us being disappointed in them, if you will. But yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that, that's really all I can say at this point. Like it, it's ugly and it looks like it will continue to be ugly for the remainder of the season. They've got wins that carry, which is the thing. So the question is like, how much leeway does their early season get them? Because they've got a win over Xavier. They've got a win over Memphis, which maybe isn't as big as it. It was back then, but it's still a 19-point win. Uh, they got a win at Creighton. They've got a win over Iowa, who the metrics love for God knows what reason, but that still matters, and it was a 20-point win. That makes no sense looking back. at Like, a lot of these make no sense looking yeah. back. It just speaks to how Texas long this season is. Yeah. Like, they've got a win over Texas. The, the win They have three wins in Big 12 play, and two of the three are needle movers. So good for them but they really need to clean up this next couple games um west virginia is going to be a tough one k-state they have to win tcu going to be tough on the road they should probably beat oklahoma if we're looking at it from a performance this year Uh, i think oklahoma just hasn't really had it consistently enough but then again neither is iowa state so those are two of the teams where you, you see them and you wish you could get more out of each of them. Yeah. West Virginia is definitely a team they should beat. Literally the the only one 
they're ahead of in the standings and the Mountaineers have lost seven in a row and Mm -hmm. are struggling to show signs of life outside of like a moral victory, if you want to call it that by playing Baylor close uh, for long stretches. But yeah, it's uh, we we've, we've finally given up on the dream of could every eligible team in the big 12 make the tournament. Um, West Virginia certainly is not Kansas state has too many losses at this point. Um, Oklahoma might have played their way out of the field. They're probably going to be right around wherever the bubble ends up being. Um, But yeah, I like Iowa state's another team. I would be praying to see first round of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. They just, they simply cannot score. Yeah. Um, Like I, I think the, I I would be shocked if, uh, unless some dramatic changes happen in the next month, I would be shocked if either Iowa State or LSU make it to the second weekend. I just I just don't think there's any way you pl- you win two games in a row. Like maybe maybe one, maybe you you figure yeah. it out for one, but yeah, that's uh that's a no from me. God help us if they pair these teams up first round. I will watch one of the other. <laughs> three games happening simultaneously. <laughs> uh, quick shout out to the Big East. Xavier lost at home to DePaul. And DePaul did not have Javon Freeman Liberty or Javon Johnson. So shout out to the Musketeers there. That is a loss that will carry. Yes, it will. Good for, good for Xavier. Um, but yeah, there's nothing more I have to say about that, but, uh, do no. you have any other losers on your list? I do. Uh, I'm going to throw UCLA in there. Yeah. The loss to Arizona is fine. Like you, you played them a week ago. It's bound to happen when you play a good team like Arizona, that they're going to come back and get your number. You can't lose to Arizona state. <laughs> no matter no matter who may, you know, what smart people may have picked them as a sleeper this year, you just can't lose that game, uh, no matter what. And triple overtime makes it worse. It's tough, tough week for Mick Cronin. Yeah, that's a that's a big time. This can't happen game, and it's not like it was one of those nights where Arizona. State just came out, shot the lights out, played amazing. This was just an ugly game all the way around. Yeah. Uh, and UCLA at this point, like, I mean, just how quickly they threw away all of the momentum and goodwill that they had beat up. Like, <laughs> sitting here last week talking about them as a national championship uh, contending team. And not that they've completely thrown that away. This is still the same team. But right now they are just – falling way way too in love with uh just jacking up as many long twos as they can possibly find and yeah. that is just not a recipe for success against anyone um like statistics tell us that's a bad play <laughs> but uh yeah the like the the Arizona state one really here um you've got to just shake off the frustration from Arizona beating you and all that means again is you split the season series so you really shouldn't be too down on yourself right Um, but didn't seem like they got over that and just kind of showed all game against Arizona State the energy level and uh, just some of the the thought processes that uh, played out in that game 
Yeah, can't can't let it happen. And sure enough, they did. I've got two more on my end. Um, another biggie shout out. Uh, right as we were singing their praises, but UConn swept yep. by Creighton and Villanova this week again. Villanova not a disastrous loss on its own. Creighton's a team you have to beat at this point. Um, Creighton is has cooled off mightily. Um, some of their their inexperience showing, but. You know, UConn also squandering some of the the momentum they were building up. Um, they were riding high off of being the only team to beat Auburn, um, but now that that rings a little more hollow uh, with their recent performances. So not great. Yeah, yeah, not a great week for UConn. Um, they they things seem to have been solved on this UConn team. They are. Uh, very good when they can run their offensive sets. When they can't, they look a little lost. Sonogo is their best player. I don't know that RJ Cole is necessarily a point guard, but they have enough other pieces where they desperately just need someone to be the guy. And I think Sonogo is still too young and maybe not as skilled defensively as he needs to be to stay out of foul trouble and be that guy. So it's got to be one of their guards that, that really takes over here. Yeah. Sonogo is still going to be the most talented player on a lot of the courts he steps out on. Um, yeah. But yeah, Connecticut hasn't always been able to have him for, for long stretches or, or use him effectively when he's been out there. So that's, uh, that's not a recipe for success either. No, definitely not. I'm going to keep it in the big East actually. Uh, I'm going to throw Georgetown in there. They've lost 11 straight. They're 0-10 in the league. This is the defending Big East tournament champions, lest we forget. And uh, they just look completely lost. They they kept it close with Providence for a while on Sunday, only to get the doors blown off them in about the last seven minutes of the game. Uh, and this team just doesn't. I, and I don't want to say too much because I know Seton Hall still has another game against them, but they just don't look threatening in a lot of their games. It's always the challenge. Um, I Yeah, I try not to say too many mean things about Big Ten teams that Indiana is playing soon, but I, I just remembered I do have one. Um, yeah, I like that was huge for Providence. So it was like, yeah. all right, you you can beat another team going away. Like they, these don't all have Al Durham's to be like, not playing well and you can still beat someone going away. Yeah. These don't all have to be like painfully close games. Uh, although it like people are getting jokes off. It looked that way for a while, um, Yeah, but Georgetown is just that bad. And I think weirdly, it almost kind of helps Xavier a little bit. Like it's embarrassing to lose to DePaul at home shorthanded, but it's, not the worst loss you could have. There's yeah. a there, there's a a low even lower than that. Um, so there is. It sucks, but it could suck more. Uh, yeah, Georgetown is just. It's it's remarkable that. Uh, this program played in the NCAA tournament last year. Um, it really is. I like, honestly though, like. 
a, a matchup this year between Oregon State and Georgetown would be one of the most depressing yeah. games of basketball. Uh, both are are down extremely bad, but yeah, like I understand he's a legend, but I just I don't see any reason you can really justify bringing Patrick Ewing back. Um, this is this is like th- this is getting close to Chris Mullen territory. Oof. Yeah, it. I mean, it, it hasn't been good. It obviously has not been a success. They are uh, they're in, they're in deep right now, but it's it is a mountain of a job. It is still a good brand, obviously, and probably carries enough cachet that you can get a bigger name. But like, who wants the job at this point? Everyone in the Big East is on the up and up. Um, maybe you could probably argue that Butler could be falling off a bit, but yeah. everyone else seems to be getting better and better each year. Like Georgetown is being left in the dust and maybe St. John's, but th- it's, it's not a good spot. It's a tough job. It's a tough rebuild. The league is getting better. Like you are, you're in trouble at this point. And also just regionally, the job everyone's going to want is Maryland. Maryland, yeah. Um, so that that doesn't make things easier either. Um, yeah, I I stand by my take that Dunk City ruined the Georgetown basketball program. It's very that, possible. Like, that was the last time they were really good. Um, yeah, but things are not looking great. Um, another, like extremely flat performance was North Carolina mm-hmm. uh, Saturday. Like I, I do not get this team. They should be so much better than they are. I, I like it kind of frustrates me, but then I remember I have no reason to actually care, but like there, there is so much talent on this team. And then like, th- this is, you should not need any additional assistance in, in like, getting locked in. It's Coach K's final game coming to the Dean down. Uh, game day is there. Big opportunity. If you win this, first place in the ACC, this would be your first, like, remarkably, this would be your first quad one win of the year. Mm-hmm. And then you come out and show the world why you don't have any quad one wins. Exactly. They, uh, they had, I mean, Duke's playing well, and when they play well, they're hard to beat. As I say that, I think they're losing to Virginia right now at home. So when Duke plays well, they're hard to beat. When Duke plays poorly, they have a very low floor, I think is the way I would say it. The ceiling is the roof when they play well, to quote a North Carolina legend. And the floor is the basement to finish the home analogy here. I was the second half of that sentence, yeah. <laughs> so so uh yeah, they Duke's going to be a tough out every time you play them, especially in a rivalry game, but you can't no show like that against your biggest rival at home in a game that you really need. Yeah, like that's that's the best opportunity for a a resume boosting win. Um that you're going to have, like, presumably you have a better chance of winning that than you will when you go to Cameron. But now that game becomes all the more important. And I also don't really understand the, 
the narrative. Um, I admittedly, I have not done a deep dive on nationwide bracketology, so I don't know if this is a held opinion within the bracketology community as well. But like the media narrative seems to be like, yeah, North Carolina is comfortably in the NCAA tournaments, and mm -hmm. to that I say, you know, Ow. why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they, uh, they should be. You look at who is on the roster, it's like, yes, this absolutely should be a tournament team. But then you look at the results, like, okay, still still waiting to see it on the court. They are very much on the bubble, but they are still on the right side of the bubble. Okay. Surprisingly enough, they're close to Wake Forest. Yeah. And I mean, they were not close on the court. Yeah. That is for sure. I don't know. I think like you give this resume to like Iona or I think a good example would be like several years ago, uh, Monmouth when they were like 28 and five and uh, didn't come close to, to making the tournament. Like I think just because their name's North Carolina is why they're given the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, right. I, that's, that's my two cents. 100%. And then I, I have one more that I, I remembered. Um, hate to uh, to ever build up Rutger. So when you lose by 21 to them, you, you're an automatic loser. Looking at you, Michigan State. Um, Spartans are just a really tough team to, to read. Um, they have looked really good at some points this season, um, but then... A couple of times they have looked horrendous, lost to Northwestern, lost to Illinois when Illinois did not have Curbelo or Kofi, and then this one. Um, so I, I think I think Michigan State, like you were just saying about Duke, I think the the gap between their ceiling and floor is is like falling off a cliff. Um, and like you don't have really a, a go-to guy for late in games. Um, I, I think later in his career, you're certainly hoping that, that Max Christie is that guy. He's not right now. Um, you know, you've got two of your leading scores are interior guys, um, but not dominant in the same way that like a Kofi Coburn is or a Hunter Dickinson. Um, so can't really rely on that in late game situations either. Um, so it's a, it's a weird spot to be. Like, if they're in a close game in the NCAA tournament, I think it's it's going to be a challenge. They just don't have uh, really anyone to go to and, and kind of be comfortable with that decision. 100, 100%. Wow, I lost my voice there. <laughs> um, yeah, like, the guard play has been a problem, and it's been a problem because of the style they play. They, they turn the ball over a ton, and when they don't have it, they just look awful. Um, they And I texted this to you. I don't understand why Michigan State gets the benefit of the doubt, but Providence doesn't. And I, I texted that to you because people are talking about Michigan State as if they're this you know phenomenal team that, that outplays everyone. And when they lose, it's a tight game that you know really could have gone either way. They got blown out by a bad Rutgers team. Like plain and simple, they got blown out in this game. Uh, never necessarily looked like they were in it, and they have a loss, like you mentioned, to Northwestern. Yeah, it, like it's ugly. 
You know, this is not a team that should be getting the benefit of the doubt as much as they do. They have great players. They have great pieces, but they just haven't consistently thrown it together. And even their game at Maryland was a tight one that they needed a late bucket to win. And Maryland is not very good either. No, yeah, that was that was this week. Forgot about that game too. Compared the the Northeast uh, Big Ten trip of Maryland and Rutgers really really did yeah. not go well for them. Um, almost disastrous zero and two, but even just one and one, not uh, in the manner that it happens. Really not great at all. Um, I mean, short answer is because Tom Izzo is there, and he's he's had a lot of great teams. So yeah, that's uh. It's kind of why they're giving them the benefit of the doubt based on players who do not play there currently. Um, right. But honestly, the, the remarkable thing in my mind is that like the turnover issue has been a thing for a while Forever. now. Yeah. And it's been like over, over classes and a lot of uh, roster turnover. So like through even the best guards that Michigan state has had in recent history. Yeah. Oh yeah. No Cassius Winston teams definitely turned the ball over nonstop. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's weird. It's like a weird program culture thing that I, I don't fully understand. But it, you need to uh, buy into turning the ball over fifteen yeah. times a game. It's like we're we're just that generous and friendly at Michigan State. You know, yeah. creates good team chemistry, but then we're a little too nice to our opponents and give them the ball a bunch too. So real real give and take. Um, it is. Yeah, but uh, like. Michigan State, they just kind of snuck up to uh, the top of the Big Ten for a stretch, and everyone was just kind of like, okay, it's Tom Izzo. He will often do more with less. Um, but this is this is just not a roster that can stay at that level over the course of an entire Big Ten season. Like, they just – they cannot match up with uh, full-strength Illinois – yeah. Can't match up with Purdue. Um, but like Purdue would be an interesting game because they, they've got, you know, Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham on the inside matching up with, with Edie and, and Williams would be a closer fight than most. Um, right. But Purdue still just has way too much on up and down the roster. Um, like Michigan State's good enough. They'll make the tournaments. Um, you know, like, they are, in my mind, far less talented roster than Michigan is, and they're going to have a far better season, so you can hang your hat on that. Right. But it's uh, but like the lack of a closer, the lack of any kind of uh, star player is definitely concerning. Um, I know that's a little bit more of an NBA narrative, but I think it's, it's certainly relevant when you get to talking about um, you know, March Madness, end-of-game situations as well. Um, that's uh, it's it's really hard not having someone to automatically go to. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's uh, it's one of those where I gotta stop saying one hundred percent, but it's one of those where they they know what they need and they they seem acutely aware of it. And when it gets to that point in the game, they kind of freeze up and no one steps up to take control. Yeah, but. I say that, and I'm sure they'll boat race um, Indiana and whenever they play. I think it's soon. But, uh, ah, Saturday. Okay, so Saturday, 
You heard it here first. Michigan State is going to boat race Indiana in East Lansing. Um, all right. Any any other losers on your card? Yes, I have two more. Okay, yeah, two, I'm, two I'm more. all out. So hit me with them. I am going to throw the Godfather himself, Slick Rick Pitino, on the list. Iona oh, no. loses their first game in MAC play. That's M AAC, not MAC Shin. Um, they lose to a subpar Niagara team. Shout out Greg Paulus. Syracuse for, legend. Yeah, for their first uh, first loss in league play, which should kill their at-large hopes. Um, so that is a tough loss in that right. Tough for the Mac in general. And the last team I have is Miami. When you look at it, it's not necessarily bad losses, but you you they're piling up. At this point, Notre Dame is a team that we've talked about. They're on the rise. They're heating up. They played horrifically against Duke last week. But other than that, have been playing well in general and are in second, just a half game behind the Blue Devils in the ACC. Then you go on the road and lose to Virginia, who is still going to play that annoying style. But they really aren't that good a team this year. I know they're eight and five in the ACC right now, but come on, it's this year's ACC and a Miami team that had built up so much equity really in ACC play is now struggling, I think is the nice way to put it. And they've got still some, well, still at wake, I think is the toughest game left Uh, at this rate. They've got Virginia still, they've got Virginia tech who's talented, but there's not a ton more that they need to worry about. And the flip side of that is there's not much opportunity left either. And they're a team that is uh, in, but certainly on the bubble. Yeah, there's not a lot of room for error for mm-hmm. these teams like uh, you know Miami, Wake, kind of bouncing around in the, the 8 to 10 seed range. Um, and then North Carolina right there in the bubble as well. Notre Dame's a tournament team. I will die on this hill. Um, and like... It wasn't good enough to get a, a shout out here because neither was a ranked team, but did have a good week bouncing back from that. Uh, I mean, lack of a performance against Duke, two road wins in conference, Miami and NC States. And mm-hmm. the top of the ACC is getting real crowded now. You've got five teams within a game and a half of first place um, with, you know, could could be down to a game after tonight um, if if Duke's unable to, beat Virginia. My mind is in an absolute pretzel thinking about who to root for in that game. Uh, but yeah, not a, not a great week for Miami at all. No. Um, and that is the last of my losers. Miami. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm out as well. That was a, uh, as promised, a doozy of a show. A lot is happening in college basketball these days. If you are not aware, um, if we were to do college football winners and losers, we would probably th- throw uh, Auburn football on the loser side. They are going through it right now, uh, yeah, to say the least. But we'll push forward, continue to focus on college basketball again. There will be March Madness next month in March. Uh, so we are very excited for that. We will be back here, same time, same place next week. So... We will see you then.